is unlimited, we have a tendency to waste it. And so it's not a depressing thought to think that life begins and life ends. There's those two bookends to life. That's not a depressing thought. Really, for all of us, that should be a very invigorating thought. And knowing that our time is limited and we want to make the most of the time that we have. And if that doesn't invigorate you about life, let me share with you something else. Remember I said that your life is a gift from God. It means that your life has a purpose. It means that God has a plan for you here on earth. And let me share with you a Bible passage that gets to what we're talking about. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, For we, Christians, for we are God's workmanship. That means that we're God's masterpieces. That means that you're not just here randomly, that you're not just here on accident, that you're not just incidental in the world that we live in, that God has a reason for you to be here. He created you to be here. For we are God's workmanship created for a purpose. God has a plan. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What that means is that children of God, God's plan and his purpose for us is to live out our lives in such a way that we bring glory and honor to God in all that we do, every aspect of our lives. So it's, you know, it's great that you're here this morning. It's great that we can gather together as fellow Christians, but our lives as Christians is so much beyond, so far beyond just our time here together in worship. Every moment of your life is an opportunity to honor and glorify God. And Paul says that all of us have been designed to do that. And all of us, that that is God's intention and purpose for your life. Now again, that's great news. I hope that that's invigorating, knowing that God has a reason for you to be here and that God has a plan and a purpose for every moment of your lives, because he does. The question that we want to stop and consider this morning, though, is that do we live our lives as Christians with that same excitement and eagerness and desire and passion that God has for our days? Do we live in such a way that that plan and that purpose that God has for us every single moment of our lives, do we live in such a way that that shows through throughout our lives? Or do we live our lives at times in such a way when that is not the case? Do we live our lives in such a way that I'll share an example of what, what, where we're going. Live our lives in such a way as that exemplifies the conversation that I heard Friday morning. Friday morning, walking out of the gym, there's two gentlemen in front of me. The one gentleman says to the other, he says, hey, how's it going? To which he replies, quote, well, it's going, but I don't know where, end quote. Do you ever feel like in life that you're just kind of wandering? You ever feel like in life that you're just kind of drifting along and you're not really sure where you're going, why you're going there, what it all means in life? I know I've been there. 
I've been there more times than I care to admit to any of you. And I venture to guess that I'm not the only one that's been there in life. In fact, I can say with a a pretty good sense of confidence that all of us spend more time there just wandering and drifting through life than we care to admit. And the reason I can say that with a, a good sense of confidence this morning is that it was not too many years ago when psychologists had two main categories for basically every person on earth. Wasn't that long ago when the two categories that psychologists used to define people was the category of mental illness and mental health. And basically, if you didn't have a clinical mental illness, then you were categorized as mentally healthy. No longer today do psychologists just have two main groups to categorize people into. They now have a third group, a group that is in the middle between mental illness and mental health, and they say, psychologists say, that the majority of Americans fall into that middle group. Do you want to know what that middle group is? That probably a lot of us fall into at times in our lives? They call that middle group languishing. That idea that people are just kind of languishing through life, just kind of drifting through life. They can function on a daily basis. They can go to work. They can be with their families. They can function on a daily basis. But there is no real hope or meaning to their lives. And when people are languishing, they say things like this. You know, this marriage or this job that I'm in right now, I I just feel like it's a dead-end street. It's going nowhere. I feel like I feel like I'm lost inside. I feel like I don't have a purpose to be here. Yeah, I can go to work. Yeah, I can be with my friends, but I don't really feel like I have a purpose in life. And they say that the majority of Americans fall into that category of people that are just languishing and drifting through life. Now, psychologists say that the reason that people languish through life is that there is an absence of mental and emotional vitality. That there is an absence of an energy and an excitement when it comes to our mental thinking and our emotional lives. That we're just kind of absent and we're just kind of drifting through life when it comes to those things. Now, I don't disagree that there is probably a third category of people and that probably most people fit into that category. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that people that fall into that category, myself included, that there is an absence of mental and emotional vitality to life. But that's not the whole picture. There's more to that category of people that we all tend to be at times in our lives. And there's a bigger underlying reason behind that languishing through life. And the bigger reason is this, that an absence of mental and emotional vitality is caused by an absence of spiritual vitality. And that the bigger issue behind our languishing through life, our just simply drifting through life, is the absence of spiritual vitality, spiritual energy, spiritual life. And I think we've all been there. And I think we've all experienced that throughout life. 
Now, the thing that is probably the most shocking of any of this is that the source for spiritual vitality, the source to get us out of that rut in life where we just seem to be drifting and flowing and not really going anywhere on purpose, the source to that, spiritual vitality, is not a mystery. It's not something that we have to pay big bucks to get. It's not something that you've got to be part of a secret club or go to a secret place to find it. In fact, it's the thing that the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians, he starts off the book focusing on this important thing, this source of spiritual vitality. At the end of the book, he gets back to it and he says that this is just so important for our lives. Don't miss this. And then throughout the book, including in chapter 9, the verses that we're going to look at a little bit in in just a minute, including in chapter 9, Paul gets to this source of spiritual vitality again, and he's just saying throughout this entire book of 1 Corinthians, don't miss what's so important to your time here on earth. Don't miss the thing that brings purpose and meaning throughout all of your days here on earth. And you want to know what it is? You want to know this thing that is just so important for our spiritual vitality? Paul says it's the gospel. Don't let that be a downer, right? Maybe you think to yourself, man, I hear that every week here at church. Don't let that be insignificant to your life. It's the gospel. It's the good news that we have about Jesus, It's the good news. The reason it's good news is because without Jesus, there's bad news. Because without Jesus, there is sin and there is separation from God. And that's bad news. And that's the way it is for all of us apart from Jesus. And so the good news is that Jesus came to this earth to do exactly what God wanted him to do. Jesus came to this earth to live the perfect life that we could not. Jesus came to this earth to die, not without cause. Scripture tells us that he came to die for the sins of the world. And so that he takes upon himself our sins, all of our sins. He takes that all upon himself. He pays the price for that. And then he gives in return to us his righteousness, his right standing with God. And he says, That that's for us. That's the good news that we have in Jesus. That that broken relationship, that separation from God that we would all have by nature, that that has been taken care of, that has been healed, that has been repaired through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's free. It's yours. And so Paul is saying, man, we need to come back to that on a regular basis. We need to come back to that on a daily basis because that is the source of spiritual vitality. That is the thing that gives meaning and purpose to all of our moments. And without that, we are lost. Without that, we are simply drifting through life. But we have that. Now let me ask you. We have it. Do we still drift? Do we still languish in life? Yeah, we do. That will always be a struggle for us. 
there will always be the temptation in life to lose sight of the most important thing in life. And so the words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today are really an encouragement for us to take hold of for dear life and hold on to the thing that matters most. And Paul is going to talk very strongly about this. Paul is actually going to use abusive language as he talks about focusing on and holding on to the most important thing in life, the gospel. And he does it for good cause, and I think it's going to be good encouragement for all of us today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to pick it up at verse 24. The Apostle Paul is talking about, again, he's just been talking about the importance of the gospel what it means for us, what it means for the world that we live in. And now he's talking about life, and he's going to go on, and he says in verse 24, he says, Do you not know, assuming that, yes, of course, we do know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Obviously. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. So what Paul is saying is that he's comparing our earthly existence, our lives here on earth, to the idea of being in a race. And he's saying that we need to look at life that way and we need to have the desire of that person in the race to win, to be first, to give it our all. Now, the Greek word for race is where we get our English word for agony or agonize. Some of you are like, I knew it. That's why I don't run. It is agony, and it is agonizing to run. And you're right, it is. Running takes work. Running takes effort. Running to win takes extra work. Running to win takes extra effort and commitment. And Paul's saying, yeah, life is agonizing. Life is like a race. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take commitment. But that's the way you got to look at life. That's the way you got to treat life, is that it's going to take work. And it's going to take effort. Goes on in verse 26, he says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Just had the Olympics this past summer. Do you think that the athletes that competed in the Olympics, do you think for the past two, three years they've been sitting at home, eating potato chips, watching TV, and then back in August they took a flight to London and they're like, oh, it's the Olympics, time to perform? No, that's foolish. They've been spending weeks, months, years in strict training. They pay attention to their diet. They pay attention to their training exercises. They pay attention to their sleeping habits. They pay attention to every aspect of their lives. Why? Because they want to compete and they want to win. They want to win a disc about this big that's gold. And they want to be able to hold on to that and claim that as their very own. A disc about this big that's gold. Is it cool? Would it be nice to have one? Does it really matter? No. When you look at life, does it really matter? The answer is no. 
And yet so much time, so much effort, so much commitment goes into winning that. Let me give you another example, since I think most of us are probably more in tune with football than maybe we are with the Olympics. Football, think about that. Think about all of the time, all of the energy, all of the training, all of the commitment that goes into professional football. Do you know how many professional football players at the end of their career wind up with a championship ring on their finger? Less than 3%. Do you know what else they get in return for that championship ring, that 3% and the other 97%? Do you know what they get in return for all of that time, all of that effort, all of that commitment? They get about 20 years taken off of their life. The average NFL football player dies 20 years earlier than someone who doesn't play football. Not really a great trade-off, is it? And yet, think of all of the passion, all of the determination, all of the commitment, all of the effort that goes into a championship ring and losing 20 years off of your life. It doesn't matter. And yet, so much goes into it. Guess what? Your prize at the end of your life, it matters. The prize at at the end of your life, it's worth it. Because the prize at the end of your life is heaven. The prize at the end of your life is eternity, free from sin. Eternity taken away from the hardship and and the trials of this life. It's yours. And here's the thing. Olympians, they train and they compete and they don't know if they're going to win that gold disc. The football players, they train and they compete and they don't know if they're ever going to get that championship ring. It's an unknown. Guess what? The prize at the end of your life, it's certain. It's guaranteed. There's nothing that you have to do to make it happen. It's not your effort and your striving and your trying in life. It's not going to get you there. The prize is not ours to earn. The prize is ours to lose. And Paul is saying, we need to live life with that attitude. We need to live life with this intense desire to continue to hold on to the prize that has already been won for us. And so he says that we need to go into strict training. We need to run the race of life as if we want to win. And it's going to be agonizing because it's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take determination. But the prize is worth it. He goes on, verse 26. Notice that Paul is going to make a shift here. He's kind of been talking about, okay, Christian life in general. You got to run like it's a race. You got to compete and go into strict training, this whole Christian life that we have. That's his general statement. Now, notice in verse 26, Paul's going to start talking about himself. And I think what Paul's doing here is he's saying, okay, this is, this is the way Christians should live their lives. I don't know what you're going to do with that, but me, Paul, this is what I'm going to do with that. And I hope you do the same. And so let's listen to what Paul is going to say. What does this mean for Paul in his life that hopefully it means the same thing for us in our lives? He goes on and he says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I'm not going to go through life just drifting and wandering and with no purpose. That's not the way I'm going to go through life. He goes on and he says, I do not fight like a man beating the air. If a man is in a ring with another man, 
and he is beating the air, what is he not beating? His opponent. Which means that his opponent is beating him. Paul is saying, we got to live life and fight for it. we got to live life with intentionality. We've got to live life with purpose and with meaning. And we got to fight for it. We've got to hold on to it for dear life. Then he goes on, verse 27. Here he gets, you know, this abusive language I told you about. He says, no, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul says, I I beat my body. Literally, that Greek phrase means he punches himself underneath the eye and knocks himself out. I'm not suggesting that you go home and do that. Neither is Paul. What he's saying is that his own worst enemy is himself. That his own worst enemy in losing sight of the prize that has already been won for him is him. And so he needs to get a hold of that sinful nature inside of him. He needs to, you know, address that head on in his life. So he's going to punch it, and he's going to keep punching it, and he's going to make it his slave. That means that he's going to be mastery over that part of his life. That it's, he's not going to allow that to get the best of him. How does he do that? He goes back to the gospel. He goes back to that source of spiritual vitality that is so important for our lives. Because there is life. There is strength for the day. There is the determination to go forward in life. Think about that. It's the gospel. The gospel is the thing that creates that spiritual life inside of us. The gospel is the thing that sustains that spiritual life inside of us. And it's the gospel that brings, you know, excitement and purpose to all of our days. And so Paul is saying, look, we need to be in strict training. We need to live life intentionally around the gospel that needs to be front and center in our lives. I mean, think about it. Elite athletes do not become elite simply by drifting in life. Elite athletes do not become elite simply by chance. Elite athletes become elite through training through a plan, through having people in their lives who push them and encourage them to go further in life. God's called us to be more than we are right now. God has called us to continue to grow in our lives, spiritually speaking, to continue to grow, to live out that plan and that purpose that he has for every moment of our lives. And so Paul's encouragement is to get your life around the gospel because that's the source of life. That's the thing that sustains spiritual vitality. And then to hold on to it for dear life. Probably not telling you anything new this morning. Nothing too outstanding in what I've just mentioned to you. And yet, do we live that way? It's the question. And the answer for all of us is that we have a tendency not to. 
we have a tendency to drift, which is why it is so important for us to fight for it, which is why it's so important for us to have a plan, which is why it's so important for us to have people in our lives who are going to continue to push us in that direction. All of us have a tendency to live life the way that the world would want us to live. And I just want to demonstrate that for you quick. This jar represents your time. It can represent a day, a week, a month, a year, a season of life. It can represent your entire lifetime. Okay? There's rice inside of this jar. This rice stands for things in life that we occupy ourselves with, but things in life that don't really matter. For some of you, half of the rice in this jar represents Facebook. Not going to point any fingers, okay? But there's other things. There's shopping online. There's shopping for things, cars, homes that we can't afford. There's going out with friends and staying out too late and uh, not being there for our families when we get home. There's all sorts of things that go into, that they're not necessarily wrong, but they don't really matter when you look at the grand scheme of life. And that's the rice in here. And then there are things in our lives that we would call the big rocks, the things that do matter. For some of us, um, that's a spouse. For some of us, that's our kids, or if we have a couple of kids, you know, we got to put them into our time jar here. For some of us, there's the rock of work um, that we need to pay attention to. For some of us, hopefully for all of us, there's a, you know, maybe exercise or leisure time in life. And then hopefully for all of us, there's that biggest rock of life, and that's God. And the tendency for all of us is to live our lives the way that the world would like us to live our lives. Focusing on and putting in first into our lives and into our time the things in life that don't really matter. And then to try and figure out if there's enough time for the things that do. And every single time we live like that, we will find out that there is not time for the things that really matter in life and that our faith life, our spiritual vitality is one of the primary things that usually suffers when we live like this. And so Paul's encouragement for us today is to identify what are those big rocks in our lives. To take the time and determine what things matter the most. And Paul's going to tell us the thing that matters the most. The thing that matters the most in our lives needs to be that relationship that we have with God. That our lives, when we center our lives around the things that are the most important, that not only will we be better off in life, that there will be time for those other things in life. And so there is time for Facebook. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Facebook, Facebook. And there's time to have fun with friends. And there's time to go shopping. And there's time to, you know, spend at the kids' sports games. There's time for all these other things in life. When we just focus on what's most important. That's not obvious. I mean, that, that, that's not difficult. 
we can all hear this and we think to ourselves, yeah, of course I should live that way. Then the question is, why don't we? Why don't we? Part of the problem is that we live in a world that's really good at the rice of life. We live in a world that puts so much emphasis on the rice, the things that don't really matter. Why don't we live like that? Because all of us are our own worst enemies. Just like Paul says that he was his own worst enemy, that he was human, and that he was the one that, you know, that if somebody was going to get him off the prize, it was going to be him. If somebody's going to get us off the prize, it's going to be us. And so we get distracted in life. And Paul's encouragement for us today is to don't lose sight of the thing that matters the most. It's the gospel. He's made that so clear to us today. And now his point is, you need to have a plan in your life that works for you where you have a plan to spend time with God. And then you need to have people in your life who are going to push and encourage you to continue to grow in that aspect, that part of your life. And so the plan pieces of that plan, it's going to be different for all of us, but pieces of that plan are personal devotions. Spending time alone in God's word. Pieces of that plan are going to be spending time in prayer. Pieces of that plan are being here at church. Pieces of that plan are being in Bible classes. And I would really encourage you that at the start of your day, one of the very first things that you do when you wake up in the morning is that you remember who you are. You are a child of God. You are a forgiven and dearly loved child of God. That means that you have purpose, that God has purpose for the day that he just brought you into. And to be mindful of that at the very start of the day. And then to have that plan in place to continue to grow spiritually. And also to have people in your life who will push you and encourage you to stay with that plan. Now, this is not the only way that you can have people in your life that are going to push you to do that, but here at Bethlehem, one of the best ways that we have of doing that is being part of a growth group. We think that that's so important because it's in a growth group or in a small group of some other kind that you're going to be around the word, you're going to be around the gospel, but you're also going to be encouraged. You're also going to be pushed in that faith life. And so my encouragement for you today is Focus on the gospel and then have a plan and have people in your life who are going to push you to stick with that plan and to live out that purpose that God has for you. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this moment as every single one of our days and all of our moments, they're a gift from you. God, you have a plan, a purpose for our lives. And Lord, it's a good plan. It's a great purpose. It's fun to be a part of. But Lord, you know that we all have a tendency to drift, that we all have a tendency to lose sight of the thing that is most important. And so Lord, I ask for everyone in this room today that you would fill us with the gospel, that you, that that gospel would be the source of spiritual vitality that gives life, sustains life, and brings, you know, joy and excitement to each one of our days. Lord, help us to have a plan. Because we all know that without a plan, we have a tendency to drift. So Lord, help us to have a plan.
And help us to be willing to have people in our lives who will encourage us and push us to stay with that plan. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.